0: United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Joining us now is Leanne Erdberg, who is the director of countering violent extremism or C V E at the US Institute of Peace. Twitter handle is at USIP. Leanne, thank you for joining us on POTUS today.
1: Thank you so much for having me this morning.
0: Any sense of how many individuals there are who joined ISIS and by virtue of either their disillusionment with the, with the ideology of ISIS or for whatever reason are trying to return home? Give us a sense of the scope of this.
1: The scope of the challenge is still somewhat unknown. We do know that over 40,000 people from over 100 different countries traveled abroad to fight or live with ISIS. Um, We have had indications that over 7,000 people have already returned to home countries, and there are countries such as Kazakhstan and Kosovo um, and countries across the Middle East and North Africa who are returning and repatriating their citizens. But the scale of the problem is still somewhat unknown because of the uh, vast, amounts of people who have been killed on the battlefield. And so it's not clear exactly if the numbers who left are still going to be the numbers who come home, as well as many of the people from Syria and Iraq, where in the conflict It's not completely clear how many are going to be returning to their home communities. So somewhere around this scale of between like 20 and 80,000 are usually the numbers that we're looking at.
0: One of the goals, as stated, uh, for next week's event is to discuss the cognitive underpinnings of language and perception in violent radicalization and rehabilitation. Okay, translate us for that. Uh, what, is, what exactly are you going after?
1: So the best way that I've been able to describe it is we're trying to undo the notion that once a terrorist, always a terrorist. And the idea that if people have gone through some sort of justice mechanism, whether that's been in prison or some other type of truth and reconciliation, or if there are individuals who have left this violent group behind them, they have disavowed it, or they no longer want to be a part of it, that we encourage a way to talk about them so that they can form new bonds with their communities and they're not solely defined by what they've done before them. This is pretty similar to the criminal justice system and how we don't want to talk about uh, formerly incarcerated people just as felons, but that they are able to have a new identity that encourages a pro-social and positive future for them.
0: So let's talk about, obviously this is different countries where we've seen some of these, and there are not all these ISIS recruits came from one country, but The cultures they will return to are countries and cultures where forgiveness may or may not be the same as it is in the U.S. Give us a sense of how that will determine the future for these individuals, whether they're incarcerated or punished for life as opposed to welcomed back into the society.
1: I think it's a really tricky problem. You put your finger right on it that it's different in every different country and many different sub-contexts within a country. The truth is that communities may feel anger toward returning persons. After all, ISIS was a genocidal organization that committed horrible atrocities and violence and the like. And so communities have every right to feel betrayed by those who left their community to join this organization. But I think that it doesn't mean that there's no way to develop mechanisms for communities to reconcile with people who have returned, that there are ways to provide a sense of justice and closure. And those of us like at the U.S. Institute of Peace who work on peace building know that post-conflict reconciliation is possible, even in the most genocidal, side
0: all cases. Yeah, we, we think about, for example, what happened after the fall of Nazi Germany. Obviously, there were a lot of mainstream, um, you know, a lot of questions about how do you reintegrate people and and get a society and recognize a society that was complicit in, in what took place there and individuals the same way. So I guess, again, the question of forgiveness and the question of, of uh, I guess, efficacy also come to the fore here. How much does language play in that and then and, and the way it is framed I guess is, a, is an important part of what you're talking about
1: I think that's exactly right. I mean, there is a duality in what we're talking about. On the one side, there is retribution and accountability that needs to be there. Going kind of do to the, do the crime, pay the time. And I think that um, communities find trust and security in knowing that those who committed crimes have been held accountable. But there also has to be a restoration element if we're talking about, as you said, the efficacy, the long-term ability for communities to be more peaceful and less violent over the long term and that's where I think language has a really important role to play um, the idea that you know we have neurological and psychological ways in which we understand language where it's processed who we can see as being a threat or not a threat to us and so we're bringing to the stage next week um, social psychologists as well as cognitive and linguistic experts and those uh, who study reconciliation along with a person who has disengaged from bilingual. Extremism, to talk a lot more about both the applied area, what it feels like when you have left violent groups behind you and how can you reconcile with communities and form new, uh, new groups and new ways for your future.
0: Is part of the discussion, Leanne, also about recidivism, in other words, what got them in the first place, where, how were they radicalized, and how do you prevent that from happening again? How do you eliminate either confusion or disillusionment with the society in which they live that made that way of life seem so attractive to them in the first place?
1: I think that's the hardest part about this. A lot of returning persons are coming back to the very same milieu in which they were initially radicalized to violence, um, particularly those who went to fight with Iraq in Iraq and Syria and are now returning to their home communities. And so getting the community involved to help generate resilience to the next generation of violent extremism and trying to undo some of the likelihoods of recidivism is incredibly important. I think it's also why we're trying to use the word disengagement. Um, And disengagement means that somebody is um, leaving a violent extremist group or refraining from violence. And the idea is that if you can uh, help them, um, be much more part of new groups new community advocacy aspects and that they will be able to perhaps leave some of their old group identity behind
0: and leanne my understanding is that this event is already signed up in other words the the event is at capacity but people will be able to watch this online usip.org is that correct
1: that is correct. We have found that even in Washington, D.C., in the middle of August, which tends to be a little bit slow, that this event is oversubscribed. I think people, um, policymakers and practitioners are yearning for new solutions to this complex aspect of the challenge. And so we encourage people to tune in online and live tweet um, questions at us and we'll be, uh, we'll t- be taking questions online as well.
0: You also have good air conditioning, by the way, which helps in August. So that's always, always <laughs> nice, although everyone does these days. Leanne, thanks for being here this morning. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me and tackling this important topic.
0: Trick, uh, tricky questions to be answered perhaps next week. Again, how to talk about people disengaging from violent extremism, the power of strategic language. The event taking place next Tuesday, a week from today, at the United States Institute of Peace. As I said, you can go online and stream this, USIP.org. And the Twitter handle for Leanne and her colleagues is at USIP. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and SiriusXM's POTUS, Channel 124.